execution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the House to House podcast. This is Amadi. I'm in here with Ragu. With a special guest. <laughs> As always, you can uh, envelop yourself in this wonderful podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We are on Spotify now, so please check us out on Spotify. Uh, we are on Google Play and Google Podcasts. Um, tune in, Stitcher, and Ragu's favorite platform, Podomatic. <laughs> always got to get in that Podomatic. <laughs> um, so please, please, and we have a Facebook group. Um, please join the Facebook group, House to House. That is the word house and the number two and the word house. We're on the Facebook group, so if you want to get at us um, about anything that we have discussed or anything that we will discuss, and if you just want to chime in and join the conversation, please, please, please um, join the Facebook group. We love to have the vibrant discussions on the Facebook group. Um, but yeah, as Ragu uh, so eloquently stated, we got a special guest. Faithful son of the Lord here. What's up? What's up? The the SOGZ himself, <laughs> uh, Dale Skinner. Say hello to the people, Dale. How you guys doing? Yeah. So Dale Dale was actually just here hanging out. I said, man, why don't you come on the podcast and we can you know have a good good nice good dialogue and good discussion. Um, let's see, oh, man, how long have I known Dale? I think I, I've I've known Dale probably almost ten years. Almost ten years. Yeah, yeah. it's been about ten years. Um, been walking with Dale for that long. It's been just a wonderful, I think, a wonderful relationship. Um, Dale has really added so much to my life, uh, my wife and I, um, and uh, we pray that we've done the same. And uh, yeah, so you guys out there listening, um, we don't just talk this talk; we actually walk this walk. Um, so you know, Dale's been walking with me. I think you know, it's it's almost like that relationship with. Um, uh, I, I look at it like the Paul and Timothy relationship where he sees him and he's like, that guy should be walking with me. And then you see him in the scripture that they're walking together. And then you sort of see it when you get to the stage of the epistle where Paul says, all right, now you go and appoint elders in every town and, you know, just kind of see the, the maturation of the um, relationship. So it's been a blessing to see you grow, man, yeah. um, as a, as a son of God and, you know, becoming a husband and walking as a father—it's just been a—it's been a wonderful opportunity. I'm just glad that I was able to play whatever little part that the Lord had me play in that. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. So that's just a wonderful segue, as you guys know, we are professionals here, and uh, that segue is to continue our conversation. We we know it's been a while; it's been a little over a month. You know, life happens, and you know we haven't been able to get in here, but we're here today, and um, it's holiday season, right? Holy day. They take the Y out of Holy Day and making an I. Um, but we're going to just continue discussing what we, you know, we're we're going to stay in the same vein. Don't really feel like the Lord has been taking us off that vein. So we're going to stay in the same vein and um, continue discussing relationships and the building blocks of the family of God and the building blocks for the house of God. You know, again, we try to jump to these big things. You know, we jump to big things like the house of God or the body of Christ and those are really big things, you know, yet we have not mastered the small things, you know, building relationships and staying faithful to those relationships, um, continuing to press in and being intentional into the things and the people, right, that the Lord has put before us. 
All right. And it always I think it always segues back to the fundamental things of how the Lord has built built uh, his representation in the earth. Right. It's it's always starting with the family and then reaching out um, from the family to other families and other connections and relationships that uh, that the um, I guess, for lack of a better word, that the representation of, of God is, is first dealing with to extend to the community and, and uh, building. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 we were at, you know, we were at a meeting last week out in Virginia with some, some folks out there and I was sharing this and I was like, you know, why is it that we jump to these larger things, but we miss the, the beginning steps. And I to, to give an example, I used to work out. I was a pretty avid working out guy, you know, years ago, not anymore. <laughs> but when I used to really work out, you would go into the gym and, the way I would work out is I would do like because of my t- my the the limits on my time. You know, typically you'd have like arm day, chest day, back day. If you had that kind of time to go to the gym six, seven days a week. I didn't. I was in school and then I was working. So I'd go maybe twice a week. And so when I'd go, I'd try to work out my whole body the whole time. Now, if you've been to the gym long enough, you know, and, and you've seen people who are pretty avid weightlifters. You ever seen those one or two guys that have like huge upper bodies, but their legs look scrawny? You'd be like, man, what is this guy? <laughs> and I can almost guarantee you their heart is pretty weak as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you, you don't realize is that you have to work on your base. Your legs are part of your base, right? <laughs> so, you know, they go and they do all these workouts and they have huge arms, huge chest, huge back, but their legs are still small and scrawny. It's because we skipped over a couple things um, to, to do the things that are sh- more showy. You know, I, I think being faithful to a relationship, that's sometimes things that's like behind the scenes, right? Yeah. To jump to the bigger things. Let's get the house of God together. Yeah. But if me being faithful to this one brother or this one sister, that's nobody's really not going to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we won't see it until it's time to make presentation and you have no real relationships that you can really put some weight on. Yeah, and I, I like your example, Amadi, as far as what the the body system as far as muscles because truly when you begin to exercise your muscles i think at first you'll see the more the external layers of muscle that will be built up but the in reality the muscles that you don't see as much that are under layers of of what's uh forgive me for the lack of technical terms but what you'll notice is those muscles that are underneath are essential to actually show the strength and the uh, support that it's uh, that it's going to provide. And in the same way, these relationships they are kind of hidden, right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you'll need to exercise those more frequently to be able to support and put weight as what you're describing, Amadi. Yeah. So. Think about, and this is a, a very unfortunate, and we talked about this in, in the last episode, it's a very unfortunate characteristic of um, you know Christendom in general. Everybody wants to have a relationship with the leader or the pastor, right? Everybody wants a relationship with them. Nobody wants to have a relationship amongst themselves. Right? We, we, we step over one another to have a relationship with those who are in the front or those who are the personality or who are charismatic. And I don't mean charismatic as far as the denomination. I'm talking about just charismatic in their persona, mm-hmm. right? That's that's what we do. But 
this brother or this sister staying faithful to that, eh, I could take it or leave it, right? I could really take it or leave it. And that's that's a very sad st- you know, state of affairs for us as as believers. You know, I want to read a couple scriptures um, in 1 Corinthians 12. And, you know, many for, for those of you, if you've read the scriptures, you you know, you know, th- this passage, you know, if you've read it with any sort of, you know, depth. Um, for just as, and this is verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, so 12, 12. For just as the body is one and yet has many members and all are members of the body, though many are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. We're all made to drink of the same or of the one spirit. For in, in fact, the body is not one single member, but many. If the foot says, since I'm not a hand, I am not part of the body. It does not lose its membership because of that. If the ear says, since I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it does not lose its membership. If the whole body were an eye, what <clears throat> what part would do the hearing? I think that's so amazing. If the whole body were an eye, who would do the hearing? This is why we can't um, really idolize one facet or one component of the body over another. Because if, if everybody was an eye, right, for as dope as the eyes are, right, who would do the hearing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like when you think about it in such basic terms, it, it really highlights the deficiency in that kind of thinking that, you know, everybody can't be this person because we may need that person. And, yeah. when, and when the time comes where we need that person, they're not available because everybody wants to be this other person. So <clears throat> I think uh, what is being highlighted by Paul is also the diversity that is required within the body. And if everybody was the same part of body, you're, you're absolutely correct. There is a complete deficiency and actually a death of that body in a natural body. Excuse me. Not, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. Right, 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 right. But if everybody was a hand or if everybody was, I don't know, a foot or a finger, whatever, there would be an absolute stifling of the body of Christ. And so what the ideal scenario is everybody is doing their part and that and I think we're we're pretty far from that particular point. Um but is I think it's required for everybody that's that's in the body to, you know, do what is required of them, uh act in accordance of the measure of faith that's been given to them. Um so if we keep reading here um, verse 20, same chapter. So now there are many members, but one body that I cannot say, I do not need you, nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I do not need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. And those members we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor and our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity. But our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. If one member suffers, everyone suffers. If a member is honored, all are honored. All rejoice with it. I think that that, that's so powerful because, again, it shows the fact that our membership in the body of Christ is is equal. So I should value, right? I should value this person who's a believer 
just as much as I value this other person who is, again, the personality, the one that has the charisma, yeah. right? The, the one who's in front with their name and lights. I should value them the same. The reason I don't, this is what Paul was saying, the reason I don't is because I don't really see us as one. If I see, if if we see ourselves as one, and this goes back to just being faithful to relationships, you know, putting together those building blocks, et cetera, et cetera. If I don't see myself as one, it's very easy for me to discard you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very easy to cast you aside because I don't really, I don't see no connection to you. So eh, whatever, yeah. I can just cast you aside. Yeah. But the things I see myself, up, you know, that I'm a part of and that are a part of me, I fight for. Yeah. I fight to hold on to. I fight to continue to uplift and accept, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think what stands out to me uh, in the most in this particular passage of scripture is the the verse 26 where it refers to if one part suffers, every part suffers. And if one part um, rejoices, every part rejoices. And it shows that what you're describing, Amadi, the the value that is in within every member that's part of the body, as well as the unity that is required so just in a natural, if your hand gets injured, what's going to happen? Your other hand is going to come support. Or if you get cut, you know, that blood, that needs to stop. Mm-hmm. So, so it's so key and vital to make sure that everybody is able to understand that each member is valuable. And without them, you know, you can't function. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about what you guys were talking. I was thinking about um, functionality. Oftentimes, as a body, biblically, we don't really understand functionality. Even when you look in the scriptures, and um, I was thinking about Abraham and his son, his son, son after him, and just every everyone's functionality is different. Even in football, because I'm a Dallas fan, um, I think about how recently they made a switch um, from um, a lineman because he was he, he was weak. I'm assuming on the um, on the left side, so they put in another guy, and now that guy's strong. So it's like even as you look at, at a team. Everyone, everyone understands their, their functionality, and if the the left side is weak, then the quarterbacks the quarterback gets blasted on, on almost every play. So we have to strengthen that that um that side. So I think oftentimes functionality, understanding our functionality, and understanding everyone's role, even if it is a small guy, well, that small guy plays a big role because if that small guy, not saying um size wise, but just saying his role as as a lineman on a football team, if he doesn't do his job, the quarterback gets the quarterback gets sacked. So just that whole that whole like little um, functionality as as a linebacker to quarterback and, get, and throwing the ball, it's all about functionality and understanding that everyone everyone's role is just pivotal as a quarterback or receiver. Even if my name isn't widely out there or widely known, you know, that's a really good really good um, point, Dale. And because if you think about this, and this is why this is why the the role of fathers in the Lord is so important. It's so important because one of the things that a father in the Lord will do. You know, we they'll esteem us and help to give us value for ourselves. But one of the things that I've found in scripture is that a father will show you value for your siblings. That's one of the roles of a parent. One of the roles of a parent is to show is to make sure that you value your siblings because inherently siblings inherently are competitive with each other. They're inherently compete for the parents' love, for the parents' attention, for the parents' finances, right? Everything. Siblings are, it's inherent within siblings, right? Jacob and Esau were wrestling in the womb. Cain literally killed his brother. Like these are things we see in the scriptures. What brings an end to that when a parent says, 
hey, I value your sibling and I want you to value your sibling as much as I value your sibling, right? Ephesians 4 says that um, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is all, who is over all and through all and all in all. Again, it's the it's the grace of our heavenly father, you know, knowing the Lord as savior. That's the individual part. That's where we get stuck. You know, we've talked about this before about the individualism of of much of Christendom. My Lord, my savior, me me, my blessing, but it is the grace of father that forces me now to want to value my siblings, right? My brothers and sisters in the faith. To, to value them as much as I value the leader or the one in charge or the set man or whatever you want to call it, right? Because it's clear we don't. And people can say, oh, no, you look around. L- look around. We don't. We don't because we don't see each other as one. And so, you know, I think that it it is imperative that the grace of Father truly be embraced by the body of Christ because, again, it will sort of unlock this thing. It'll unlock this lack of value that many of us have for each other mm-hmm. and thinking it's going to something's going to happen magically. No, it's not going to happen magically. If you leave siblings around, they will try to kill each other sometimes, right? <laughs> A parent has to come in and sort of set order. Right? Got to kind of say, "Hey, hey, guys, what are you doing? Why are y'all fighting?" All right? What why are you fighting it? They don't even know why they're fighting. They're fighting because it's inherent within them to wrestle against one another. Yeah. A parent has to come in and set order and say, "I love this person as much as I love you." Right. I don't. Right. Think about it. How many times as siblings? Why do they get this? And I don't get that. How come you love them more than you love me? Where does that come from? That comes from that inherent competitive nature. Yeah. (laughs) You don't even know where it's just there. It's like, you know, it's like that that, that old spaghetti commercial. It's in there. It's it's in there. (laughs) We got to be able to see this thing for what it is. And see it as a impediment to really, truly building the the body of Christ. You know, and I definitely love the passage of scripture that you uh, came from in Ephesians, because even a little bit further down, it talks about the the fivefold ministry who are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers who are required in order for the body of Christ to reach maturity. I mean, my God, without the body of Christ, you can't even go on to having the uh, the fivefold ministry to being in place. And I think what is so key is. Just the fact that, you know, they are the ones to help perpetuate the body to maturity, but we can't even get the first part of this this equation correct where we need to be united or unified uh, by one spirit. Um, Like that's that's interesting because what it says later on that chapter, like what is the point? You know, everybody says a fivefold ministry and I got this title, call me pastor this and apostle that. What is the point of all of that? Right. Why didn't Christ just die and just make us all sons of God? He clearly said, nope, he gave some gifts to men right, and women. But what what is it for? We a lot of times don't ask these questions. I think we miss it. We miss it. We you know, we we mistake the the, the what for the why. What he did is not why he did it. Like we can read it and say, OK, this is what he did. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, you know, yada, yada, yada. But why did he do it? And it says here why he did it. So that we, in verse 14, would no longer be tossed like children back and forth by waves 
and carried about in every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. Now, you have to understand the mind of children to really understand that. You can go up to a little kid and tell them anything. You ever seen those news things where they'll have like a fake sting operation and they'll have like a fake ice cream truck come up? Right, and they'll say, hey, kids, I got some lollipops in my car. Come on. Okay. And they get in and they tell the parents and the parents kind of watch on video. And they're like, oh, my God. Now, you like, why did the kids believe that? Because children's minds work differently than adults' minds. Yeah. You know, the parent watching the video is like, oh, my God, I can't believe my child did that. Why can't you believe that? Their mind doesn't work like your mind. Like, if I told you, hey, man, get in the back of my van. I got a million dollars. Even if it was a million dollars, I'm not, I'm not getting the back of your right. van. Right? <laughs> the you cost of my life to go exactly. back to that van. Yeah. Because your uh-huh. mind, the way the adult mind, I'm going to calculate all these different things. No, thank you. Even if there is money in there, I don't want to get in the back of your van. Right. We need, <laughs> hold on one second. Let me get a few of my friends. We gonna, we'll yeah. come there together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go two by two. I'm going to practice the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to live out my faith. We're going to walk two by two. But... A child's mind doesn't work like that. So how does God protect his children? By setting up in the house of God, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. To And it says here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry that is to build up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the acknowledgement, I mean, sorry, the knowledge, not the acknowledgement, the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining the full measure of Christ's stature. Mm-hmm. So it's to build us up to become mature. And then they're no longer needed. Yeah. Like once you fulfill the purpose, you no longer need that anymore. Yeah. Right. And just you to know. be clear, there's that's not possible. I oh. mean, we're so far from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, God sees the end in the beginning, so thank God, you know, He sees the end. We're not there. We're not there just yet, but He sees that end. But it's just these uh, again. So how do I play my part in in all of that? being faithful to the relationships in, in, in which God has given me. You know, that's why I was even glad to have Dale in here to, to even share and articulate how, you know, our relationship now is the culmination of 10 years of walking together. This is not a, I go to a couple of services and now we're living out Bible that doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, I was actually reading, um, I read, I, I do some Bible study with, with, with my children every week. And so we were reading in Acts last week. And we were, I was showing them how when Paul was converted and he, you know, came back to Jerusalem with Barnabas and, you know, he met Peter and the apostles and then persecution came because Paul was preaching in Jerusalem. And so he leaves Jerusalem to go back to the town where he grew up, Tarsus. And then it says like years later, Barnabas came back and got him. And I was like, it was a little small nugget. I was like, guys, y'all see that? Paul was gone for years before he got reconnected back with Barnabas. Like Barnabas came back and found him, but it was years later. And I was just showing them sometimes that, that how things will take time. You know, that, that things doesn't always happen, you know, just immediately. And it's just pops off. I was like, do you see that Paul stayed faithful? He was making tents. And then God, you know, sends Barnabas back. And, you know, we know that the rest is history. But it's to say to that little thing, if God just told him, go back to Tarsus and just wait, I'll, I'll have something for you. That takes a level of diligence and patience to to do that thing and wait there as opposed to no nah, i'm gonna go out here because i'm god called me to preach i don't i don't care could have got himself killed could have got himself killed <laughs> no exactly. new testament no nothing yeah. and that's ex- exactly where i went i said guys 
let me tell you how many books did he write in the New Testament? They was like, I don't know. I mean, we counted. It was like 14, 13 yeah. to 14 he books. He wrote more than half the New Testament. I said, do y'all realize that if he was disobedient in this little instance, we wouldn't have half the New Testament. And we went through all the books. I was like, oh, man, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, first thing. I was like, yeah, all those Paul wrote. Because of this time when he was faithful to that little thing, just a little, a little relationship. If Barnabas said, just hold fast, we'll hook back up later. <laughs> well, later for the Lord, yeah. a couple years later. Yeah. And it also just shows you the gravity of how much we have to be relying upon the Lord when we make these decisions. I think initially we may not see the fact that, oh man, this could cost our lives, but uh, the reality is it could and not necessarily cost your life individually, but those who may come to know the Lord upon you. Yeah. So there, there are people waiting for us who we don't know yet. Right. Who we don't know um, who are counting on us to remain faithful. You know, they're and they may not be leaders Their Their names might not be in lights. It may never get us any notoriety, but those people are counting on us to, to be faithful. You know, when you look at the trajectory of Barnabas, Barnabas is someone who's really interested me over the last year or two because Barnabas is one of the wealthy people who sold their property and gave the money to the apostles and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, he gave them everything. Yeah. And when you see the trajectory of his life, how the Lord, he was so instrumental in the initial growth and maturity of Paul as a believer. Like Barnabas is pivotal. You know, I've, I've gone as far as to say, you know, I think Barnabas was Paul's father in the Lord in the beginning. You know, I know Paul said that he studied at the, with Gamaliel God, yeah. when he was a Hebrew. But when, once Paul became a believer, it was Barnabas who went and found him in Tarsus. It was Barnabas who said, join me on my apostolic journeys. It was Barnabas who took Paul with him first. And I, I watched and I said, man, Lord, what a faithful guy. Who would have thought? You know, I know Barnabas wasn't thinking about the New Testament and 14 books and nothing like that. He was just being faithful to what the yeah. Lord gave him. But his faithfulness, right, led led to, I mean, led to the three of us sitting here. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we have to look at it like that where we have to say, okay, the, what is on the horizon? You know, can I still be as diligent and as disciplined for something that I may not never take part in? That's a mark of maturity. It's easy for us to get excited about something we're going to benefit from, right? If I do this, God's going to bless me. Yeah. <laughs> right. But can I do this thing knowing I may never see it come to fruition? Yeah, that's truly a mark. And that's what you'll see in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. All those believers that went before us, they never got to see the promise. They they only fulfilled their portion or their part in order for the next generations to benefit and even get to the point of seeing it. You know, that's truly a mark of maturity. Yeah. So, you know, just as, as we come around third base here, we really just want to encourage everyone listening that the the house of God is built very slowly and very meticulously. This is not a, you know, run of the mill fly by night. We'll throw these two things together and we'll trot this out in front of the enemy. Because <laughs> we'll get scattered. Yeah, we'll get scattered. Exactly. It it is it you have to be meticulous and go back again and again and again and again. And sometimes things may be broken down and we have to rebuild it. 
Nehemiah, mm-hmm. right? We may have to rebuild things that were torn down, like, but it requires a certain level of diligence within us. Can I? I mean, because listen, you ever been building something and it falls apart? Like all the men out here, I'm a ladies too, but if you're a guy and you've been working on something and you like, oh, and it falls down, or if you realize you built something, but like one of the foundation pieces was putting backwards oh, and incorrect. God, that is like one of them IKEA shelves. You ever buy one? Listen, <laughs> fellas, you ever buy one of them IKEA shelves and you get to the top shelf and you look over? Oh my God, it's four screws I forgot to put in at the bottom. And you try to find a way around it, but then you come to the realization, I got to take the whole thing apart to put these things in. That is frustrating. But guess what? That's how you build. That's how you build a firm and solid foundation. And mistakes are made. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, we we would hope that we all do it right the first time. But sometimes things happen. And we cannot neglect the things that is necessary. And one of the things that are necessary is being faithful to relationships. And valuing one another, seeing each other as one. These things are important. I want to end with this scripture in uh, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 is a really dope scripture. It's one of my favorites, honestly. I got to highlight it here. You see the highlights. Dale can see the highlights. You guys can't see the highlights, but Dale can see the highlights in my Bible. But Peter acknowledges this fact. And then he points us to where we should be. He says in verse 10, or we can start at uh, verse 9. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that's the verse we always quote. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? But verse 10, I love verse 10. Verse 10 is the one I like because verse 10, Peter says, you once were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown mercy and now you have received mercy. So he acknowledges the fact that there was a time we didn't value each other. Yeah, There was a value. I mean, there, there was a time we were not one. It's okay to acknowledge that there was a season I would not have valued a relationship like what I have with Dale, like what I have with, with Regu. I would not have valued these things at a season in my life. So Peter says that here. It was a time we weren't a people. Now we are God's people. So our our you know disposition must change. Once I come in, I now and then verse eleven he tells you how you are to change that disposition. Now that you're in, you are God's people. Act as foreigners and sojourners in the place where you came from. Mm-hmm. You know we still do the reverse. We still find more comfort in where we came from and act like a sojourner in God's house. Yeah, we have to flip yeah, that. And that's that familiarity. And that's just like what the apostles or disciples at that time did when Jesus was um, not on the scene yet and he was in his glorified body. He found them jokers fishing. He found them back. Go fishing. <laughs> yeah, back where they, were, where they were comfortable, where they're familiar, and where they knew they had some semblance of an identity. So they back where, where they came from. Mm-hmm. But it, it should not be the case. You know, we should move forward in the place that is uncomfortable and truly where our, our identity truly lies. Amen. So, you know, whether it's your, listen, whether it's your race, your culture, your geographical area, your gender, your employment, your education, none of these things I should find more comfort in than in the house of God, with the people of God. And these are, these, listen, these are very close to home. You know, these are things, these are questions like Jude would say, I got to examine myself. I have, we have to examine ourselves because what they are is they are impediments to building the house of God, 
right? Mm. Listen, we were once not a people. This is what Peter's saying. It's okay to acknowledge these things. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different situations. But that is no longer the case anymore. We have to stop allowing those things, right, to remain as stumbling blocks. We have to acknowledge them, move them to the side, and press forward. And that's, you know, at least for this time, how we can start to build these small building blocks towards getting the the whole house of God sort of established so we don't have no weak legs. Yeah, so apart from being shown how to operate and just live as believers, how can you do that apart from another individual showing you and exercising these things before you? And that can be be difficult. You know, I I, I called Amadi. I was thinking about calling you uh, last week. I was just thinking about just how oftentimes in life, when the Lord reveals something to you that you've been doing wrong for years, you have to go back and kind of, like you said, break up the whatever you're doing and mm-hmm. have to rebuild again. And it's like, that's frustrating. It's like, Lord, I don't have time for this. You know, it's a part of my life. But it's like, the reality of it is, you know, it, oftentimes it is what it is, you know? Like, I was thinking about, um, I work for the railroad. Oftentimes, you know, we will build we'll build track and be like, one little tie be wrong. I'm like, oh, man, are you serious? It's like, well, guys, no, no tonight, <laughs> you know, take it by your part and, and, and do it again. Yeah, you're right. But the reality of it is, it, it is what it is, you know? It That's is what, what it happens. Is. Yeah. If you want to do it right, yeah, you got you to gotta start again. So we want to encourage you guys, you know, be, be disciplined. And listen, be willing. You know, be willing. Be willing to devote your time and your resources to really making sure that the things of God are firmly established in your heart and in your life. And and know ahead of time, like Luke, I think it's in Luke 3, count the cost, right? Count, listen, count the cost. Know that ahead of time to truly establish the kingdom of God in your own heart and in the hearts of men and women in your sphere, it is going to take time. You have to be willing. You have, it's going to take time and it may take your resources, you, the one listening. It may take your time and your resources. And listen, hey, God wants you willing. He doesn't want to force you to do anything. He wants you willing to do it. So you count the cost and say, you know, Father, I'm willing to change my mind about how I see my brothers and sisters. I'm willing to change my mind about how I see my connection to them. I'm willing to change my mind on how I, you know, integrate into into all those things. And, you know, then yay and amen and we'll be in heaven and glory, yeah. hallelujah, and the new Jerusalem and all of that good stuff. But before we get there, we got to do this dirty work. So mm-hmm. Got to build slowly. Oh. And I was going to say also, uh, it's Luke 14. Oh, I'm all 25. Thank it's you. Okay. Luke 14, not Luke 3. I was in the right book. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the doctor. <laughs> Luke 14, sorry. It's Luke 14. Um, that's that scripture. Count the cost. Before you build a house, count the cost here. Luke, oh, I don't know where I was in Luke 3. Anyway. That's the genealogy. Oh, that's the so-and-so with the Son of God. Okay, yeah, that's the description. And, you know, anyway. Dale, thanks so much, man, for sitting yes, in with us this week. thank you for joining us, You're SOG. Welcome. Yeah, man, thank you so much. Um, y'all go out and check out Dale, right? MDMD Productions, right? He yeah. does some awesome stuff with his music. Go check out MDMD Productions. Um, you can download Dale's stuff. It's uh, it's amazing. I personally vouch for it. Um, but as always, please um, go on the Facebook group, um, House to House Podcast. 
um, where we advance our father's kingdom one house at a time for Dale and Ragu. This is Amadi saying bye bye.